All right, what is up, guys? Back at it with episode four of the weekly spin cycle. As always, I'm Kosh Sarva, and with me, joining me as always, is Prem Thurnagri, the other co-host. It's a great catchphrase. I know the other co-host. Really, you carry us, though, man. <laughs> I don't know about that, man. I think we're we're pretty good, fifty-fifty. So, I think the league was a little dry this week. I think so too, man. I mean, we haven't we haven't released a podcast in a while couple two three weeks stuff has happened lillard's dropped 40 lillard's or sorry 60 lillard's also got back spasms now well that's why right he had to carry the team so much oh that my god man's man. dead now we'll get into that d'angelo russell he had an incredible 52 point game against and then injured himself and then injured himself so like it's kind of sad i guess the t- the trend <laughs> i mean, we didn't even think about that but yeah you're right but um yeah man like it, it's hard to I guess, like, when we're doing this podcast, right, like, coming up with topics and stuff like that to discuss when the league is, like, so, in a way, like, what you were saying, dry, right? It's, like, nothing much is happening, so. But we'll do our best, try to keep you entertained, and. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you guys should thank us. We could be, like, ESPN first take and just constantly debate who's the GOAT. Yeah, because at the end of the day, right, we, we can have a LeBron-MJ debate every single every show. Every single show. And we'll just be undisputed. Uh, can I say their name? Yeah, you, you can say that. <laughs> okay, okay. I just don't want to get, you know, copyright check or anything. Yeah, like like they'll see us. <laughs> <laughs> we're but, big time baby now, man. But no, you're right. Like, you know, even in times like this, we're going to do our best not to come up with super generic topics. And we're going to try and focus on kind of, I guess, like the little things in the NBA. All right, yeah. And I guess focusing on little things, let's go over MVP update. <laughs> yeah, that's ironic. <laughs> I know. But that's the first thing on our docket. So... Kosh, right now, right? So I, I remember you picked Joel Embiid, right? Preseason I did. MVP. Now who's your MVP, buddy? Well, I would definitely not pick Joel Embiid for MVP, MVP right now, but if I had to pick him for something, it would be WWE, WrestleMania. That guy's got it in the bag. <laughs> Honestly, though. Um, He's an incredibly talented fighter. He really is. And I don't think really much happened after we talked about him and Kat getting into it. No, no. But I love how he promised that he would never, like, I don't know who he's talking to, but he said that he wouldn't, like, piss people off and, like, uh, that's such a talking, lie. talking crap. But I appreciate it, though. Like, that's what I like about Joel. Yeah. Th- that's crazy. I, I was uh, looking at, because Jarrett Allen had an AMA yesterday, oh, right? right? right, right. On and Bleacher Report. On Bleacher Report, right? So I was reading into it, and I was looking at some of the stuff, and he was saying that um, Joel Embiid actually has never trash-talked to him. Which I find surprising because, you know, like, as, as a center. But, like, then again, apparently Jared Allen isn't much of a trash talker himself. That might be it, so, yeah. So, like, maybe he just engages with people who do talk. Right. Because <laughs> um, I can see that. But I also feel like he singles out people who don't either. You know, like, he he really has no filter or care. Yeah, but like you were saying, he's definitely, like, really not been on the radar for MVP conversation. Right now, personally... I really don't know who my MVP is, but if I had to lean towards someone, I would probably have to lean towards uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo at the moment, man. Really, really. I think uh, he's having a pretty historic season, which is like I feel like that that gets thrown around a lot. Yeah. Um, but you know, he's uh, the team. First off, is really well built around him. Mm-hmm. I want to say. Um, I mean, really talking from everyone from, you know, like I, they have Chris Middleton's injury right now, which kind of sucks, but having like. So having both uh, Brooke Lopez, Brolo, and Robin Lopez, <laughs> Rolo, um, that young kid in Dante DiVincenzo, um, Sterling Brown has been really good for them. Yeah. I'm like, like scattered all over, but uh, they have a really good team around him and they got a lot of shooters, which I think Budenholzer has done a great job of identifying. 
And just like as of what yesterday is yeah. freaking thirty point game, nineteen rebounds and fifteen assists. Yeah. I mean, despite you know, albeit nine of twenty seven, but we'll, nine of twenty seven. We'll, we'll, we'll ignore we that. We were first. talking about this, but imagine his usage if he went nine of twenty seven, still put up thirty points, and still had fifteen rebounds and nineteen assists. Yeah, or so nineteen rebounds and fifteen yeah. assists. Yeah, he's crazy. Like, and the thing is, did you see that one stat where he's like shooting three now better than uh, Kawhi and LeBron? Oh my gosh, he's That's like insane. he's like I think like thirty seven or something like that. Like not bad. Yeah, you got you got to take that. I mean, he's been training with Kyle Korver over the summer. You remember? Right, right. So I mean, so yeah, I mean, I I have to say like they've done a really incredible job of putting the right people around him. Right. And he's Giannis, man. I mean, if you, if you, he's really good at passing out of doubles. Yeah. At book. Oh no! Oh <laughs> no! I mean, yeah, we were watching that uh, Suns game yesterday against the Pelicans. So and not even just that game, right? Even games before, like this guy, Devin Booker. Like we always meme about the double teams, obviously in the summertime in the in the in the rec league. Maybe he needs a little bit more. Uh, I think Joakim was onto something. <laughs> maybe, maybe I hate to do him like that because I love the guy. But yeah, I understand what he was saying about that double team situation. Because like, come on, you go play pickup. You're trying to actually like hone your skills. You know, get conditioning in, get runs in. No, and I, it's I like, agree with that part. But yeah. but like. We're just going to ignore that for a second, but just the idea of passing out of double teams and when to make the right pass. He's getting better at it, and he's definitely done that better than last year. Yeah. But um, he needs to he needs to work on reducing his turnovers late in game. The Celtics and the Pelicans in the last two games have really <laughs> done very similar things in the way that they're playing him. And mm-hmm. I think what we're specifically talking about is the way that when they double him, he fades away as he's, like, jumping in the air to get a pass off. It's almost like he's waiting to get the elevation to then look for the right pass. Yeah. Which is kind of troubling. Um, but at the same time, uh, I, I mean, I get it, like, in, in a way, because if you have two players who I assume would be decent defenders out on the perimeter coming at you like that, you tend to want to pass out of it as quickly as possible. But right. I wish he was just a little bit more poised. Yeah. Um, and a lot of those passes are very high. Like, you, like, throw it really high in the air, which right. gives the defense a lot of time to recover to the spot. But yeah, because, I mean, right now he's putting up, like, six to seven turnovers a game, which is... I mean that's ludicrous. Over the last couple of games, I was actually I was actually interested in that very stat, and I was looking. I was like, but he wasn't in the top uh, turnovers in God, the in the league because I, mean, I because I was like, okay, he has to be in there, right? So I go yeah. back and look, and apparently he isn't. But uh, yeah, over the last couple of games, it's not just the amount of turnovers, but also like when the turnovers happen, right? And the clutch, it, it feels yeah. like it feels like there's like six or seven because like you have two or three in key moments where you need to like preserve the ball, right. preserve clock get good looks but i mean late last game he was having drew holiday on him ball goes off his foot one time and luckily it lands in one of our teammates hands yeah but that play was essentially dead after that exactly. right exactly so. and then there's that one there's a couple times where he gets doubled and then he was passing out and then uh i can't remember who but one of the the blazers power forwards intercepts it as it's going to the corner so it looks a little telegraphed at the moment but we yeah. digress prime your mvp mvp man i kind of put you on the spot and you doing that to me, like, I don't really have a pick. It's tough. It's really tough, it's tough just because the field is so balanced. I can't even – but, you know, one player, for me, I honestly think dude, LeBron's LeBron's been on something else. I got to give him props, okay? I'm, if you guys can't see me, but I'm smiling, grinning, yeah. like, ear to ear right now, now. Now, the reason, because if you know our history personally, right, this dude is the biggest LeBron fan or was the biggest uh, LeBron uh, fan, uh, right? And I, was a, and I was a huge KD fan with the Thunder. And so, like, we always had these, like, arguments and stuff, you can imagine, back in the day. But, like, I got to give LeBron props just because of how he's dominating. Say that again? 
I'm not saying that again. Say that again? No. I just got to give him props. You almost make me want to not pick him. <laughs> it's so close right now. Okay, dude. Get, this is like the one time. All right, but fair I, enough. I, I got to give him props because, you, first of all, that stat, you know, thir- a triple-double against every team. We were talking about that, and we're like, why doesn't Westbrook have that? And then we realized, oh, wait. That was one of the funniest moments. Oh, <laughs> oh wait. He can't have it against the Thunder because he played on the Thunder until this year. Yeah. So he could honestly get that stat too, I think, right? I think yeah. he has 29 under the 30 teams. I'm I would pretty, hope so. I'm pretty sure. After but, averaging a triple-double for almost three seasons now. Yeah, honestly. And, and I think LeBron's one thing, but not only that, his leadership you can see is pervading through the rest of the team, right? Guys like Dwight Howard have, like, an incredible, like, resurgence right now, playing great defense and just feeling on top of themselves. You know, you see their Instagram posts and everything. Dwight Howard's like, this is the happiest I've been playing basketball. And that's just some, something good to see and something I think LeBron brings to the table. I but, thought it was really cute how um, how the the – the Lakers game, Kobe shows up, and then at the end they have a clip of uh, Dwight Howard and Kobe oh, dapping yeah. each other up. I was like, wow. Yeah, and the cap- like really full circle right now. And the caption was like, time heals all. Yeah, 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 yeah. And no, I, was I, like, I thought that was really nice to see. But did you see all like those, how they memed uh, like LeBron's mistakes? with Kobe like clapping oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> it was really funny it was like LeBron got I think like uh, his ankles broken I don't remember but by, uh, by Evan Turner but yeah by Evan Turner and then like they just uh, they just edited the clip so it's like Kobe like clapping which is like when LeBron actually made a good play in the game but it was just funny uh but I digress I digress I think LeBron but then again dude all of these guys you know what we have on our list right now is James Harden Giannis like you mentioned LeBron like I mentioned uh Anthony Towns kind of falling off you know he was kind of yeah. my, I was saying he was going to be potentially dark horse MVP um because Andrew Wiggins is also holding his own on that team obviously Kawhi but now Paul George coming back I feel like it detracts from him and, and feel, our, our list is honestly pretty close to the Kia MVP one yeah so just and just for reference Kia MVP has Giannis at one LeBron at two Luca at three James Harden at four and then Kawhi Leonard at five so yeah I think with the exception of Cat like we're pretty close to what the general nba's feeling right and um yeah man and i think it's fantastic like the Kawhi thing it's like i can't ever tell like if he's actually in the conversation just because you know initially obviously it started out pretty decent now paul george comes back and their team is just incredible you know what i mean defensively especially they can't they, they can execute extremely well and like Kawhi and paul george don't even be the best scorers and you have lou williams getting stuff patrick beverly hitting clutch threes it, it harrell like getting offensive rebounds it's crazy yeah. But, and that's kind of something I've, I saw in that Clippers were self. Did you, get, did you get a chance to watch that? I did, yeah. No, I mean, we watched it together. From <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 we did. I forgot. But um, that, that game was crazy, dude. Take me through, like, what – that was one of the one of the best games I think I've seen. Regular, yeah, it, was, regular, it was really regular good. Regular season. Um, well, to be honest, I was really impressed with Boston, even though they lost. Right. Um, Brad Stevens looks like old Brad Stevens. Last mm-hmm. season was a bit of, like, a – right aberration if you will um i think overall what i really enjoyed was the way marcus smart was playing Mm -hmm. marcus smart like the epitome of defensive pest just really went at it didn't matter who he had you know he was going at all positions like basically one through four at any given point uh, switching on to everyone Mm -hmm. that insane play he had where he threw the ball out from out of bounds onto Kawhi leonard bounced it off of him yeah so that the ball got they get possession Mm -hmm. incredible hustle play dude amazing there and then for a while, he was their option one <laughs> shooting threes. Yeah. And I was like, wow, this is like, this really looks like some strides that Marcus Smart was making. So that looked very impressive to me. Um, Jason Tatum 
Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Amazing. I mean, <clears throat> so number one, his ankle breaker. That was brutal. That was crazy. Like, I don't think I've seen an ankle breaker that bad to, like, end a game. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, it reminds I, me of Kemba. Do you remember Kemba in college? Oh, yeah. With I, the, uh, I don't remember who. I, was with it UConn, on, yeah. yeah. With UConn, right? He had that crossover right. that literally broke. I don't know who. Was it Noah? I, I, can't, I can't remember. I don't know who he broke, but it was a. I just remember was that big. was that it, was it was a big yeah it was a big and he just like literally pulled it back and broke him and that was a game winner and Tatum did this against PG and to who, everyone who says that like their legs collided of course he fell the the way that I think Tatum moved was the reason for their right. legs colliding right exactly and and I I, I want to give Tatum the utmost credit there because that is a very hard move on a very hard defender and not only that like we were talking about this too during the game. Um, Paul George was his idol coming in yeah. and still is his big brother in a sense. And so that's something that uh, that's something that must have felt good for him. And then also, like, in overtime, he was great, too. Right? To be cold-blooded enough to hit the shot after he dropped him. Right. Because you could hear... That was a clutch shot, too. Yeah, because we know how it feels, right? Like, you, you, like, have a nice move on someone. You feel immense pressure now to hit the shot. Right. And, uh, like, you hear the crowd going off, too, right? And just the time and the score and everything with all that... Um, crazy moment. Um, this guy trained with Mom- Mamba in the summer too, so maybe some of that's coming out. Damn, I never thought the Celtic Laker blood would mix. Yeah, yeah, but Kobe now is like a nice guy who's a philanthropist, helps everyone out. So, <laughs> so um, I, gu- I guess it is. There's, I, th- I think, what was also really impressive was um, the cohesiveness of the uh, the Clippers playing against arguably at that point the best team in the league record-wise. Right. Um, maybe. Uh, but, you know, to me, what was really striking was at the end of the game, um, there was an interview done with Paul George, and he basically said that – or, sorry, Patrick Beverly, I believe. Was it Patrick Beverly? I think so. Are you talking oh, – yeah, yeah. And they were talking, talking about – talking about the ESPN interview at the right, end? Right. Yeah, Patrick like, Beverly. Yeah, and, they, and he said, we haven't even practiced together as well. Right, yeah. So, I mean, that's very impressive to me. Doc Rivers did a great job of, of managing the, like, the cohesiveness and putting out the right unit at mm-hmm. any given point. But kudos to them, man. I mean – it is hard to to play a competitive NBA game, let alone against a very good team, mm-hmm. and not have practiced together. Yeah, you don't know how that separation with the ball goes out, and you know Kawhi and Paul George did a great job of sharing it. Yeah, but I mean, and think very about promising. The Kawhi dunk, dude, on Thais. Uh, yeah, on Daniel Tice. Oh my gosh, dude, this that was monstrous. I like lost it. I always feel like every poster I've seen, like like when I'm watching the game, I always turn away right before the ball goes to the net because <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, this is this is too good. Yeah. And, um, and Beverly and Lou Will hitting some really big shots for them when they needed. Yeah. I mean, these aren't just average role players too. Like these are guys who could obje- like objectively be like, I mean, offensively, I guess Patrick Beverly is not really like a top three option for a team at any, any given point, but nonetheless, you know? Um, yeah. He's, in big moments, he steps up. <coughs> Montrez Harrell... Dominant force down low, great at tip dunking, putting back points. You give it to him in the low post, and you can expect a lot of post hooks and, like, actually competent post moves, which is very rare for some of these bigs these days. Yeah, for sure. Um, but at the same time, he's a pick-and-roll genius, too. You know, taking it down. Underrated screen setter. Underrated screen setter. I mean, they have one of the most, like, cohesive pieces, even if the lineup hasn't been put together. Yeah. The guys themselves just know how to play. Yeah. You're talking about even guys like Jim Michael Green and Mo Harkless. Like, these are veterans So who, underrated, too. No one gives them enough credit. And, and the spacing and everything. Like, these guys just know, like, where right. to be at any given right. point. So. No, I think I think when you say cohesiveness, I think it's also cohesiveness in their chemistry. 
Yeah. And and what I mean by that specifically is, you know, Patrick Beverly and Montrez Harrell have this like dog like mentality. Absolutely. When they go out every day, it's like it's a battle, right? It's yeah. nothing easy. They come with like their lo- like proverbial like lunch pail to work, mm-hmm. right? And they just go at it, right? But then you know, with all of like their energy and stuff that they bring, it's almost in a sense over the top, right? Yeah. But then you have guys like Kawhi and Paul George who compensate by calming everything down. And Lou Will, and the Lou butteriest Will, freaking right? guard in the league. Yeah, and these guys are super cool, super calm under pressure. And th- I think that balance between the energy that Patrick, Beverly, and Harold bring um, compared to, you know, Kawhi, PG, and stuff who have that more calming presence makes this team exceptionally scary because now you have multiple leaders and when you need energy then this guy can step up when you need the time to be more poised more calm more composed then another guy can step up and i think that gives them a lot of versatility from i guess more of an intangible point of view yeah and and this team like really comes together so easily it'll probably be nice for doc rivers to kind of have a voice by the end of the season (laughs) dude he almost i don't even understand how he still has a voice poor guy no voice got teched by his own son oh my god and thanksgiving's gonna be worse right yeah honestly but like their relationship has always been so weird to me i've never it it almost feels like lonzo and his dad in some in some in some scenarios (laughs) like it's like yeah like i love you and like because he was because austin rivers was on the clippers before and and got traded away and and, and got (laughs) traded away and doc was the gm so like it's uh, awkward you know yeah but uh i'm sure they'll figure it out they understand it's a business at the end of the day but um but kind of speaking about Kawhi and tying it back to our last topic with the whole mvp thing mm mm-hmm you know, I know that the Kia MVP ladder or whatever had him at number five, but the big reason why I don't think you and I had him in top five right now was just because this man doesn't play. Yeah, man. I mean, we were lucky to see him even on the court against the Celtics, but no, every back-to-back he's not going to play. It's been three games before that with a knee contusion. Yeah. I so, mean, do you think they've taken this load management thing kind of over the top? M- maybe. I, and I think we – so number one, I really think the reason he isn't going to be really MVP is because of Paul George. So I think that's yeah. – that's, even if he was completely healthy, I feel like Paul George would detract. So let's ex- ignore that for a sec. Okay. But, like, if we're talking strictly load management, right, I think we kind of said, like, it's smart if they're trying to make a deep playoff run, right? And, right. And, uh, and, load, and load yeah. manage. And you know what Kawhi can do even, like, not even at his 100%, right? You've, we've seen it last year in the finals. But I think one thing, I, I think if they're looking for a solution, right, because maybe, like, the, the Clippers are like, hey, like, what do you want us to do? Like, how do you want us to do this, right? right. What I would suggest is big games, right, against the Bucks, against, you know, the Celtics, top teams in the league, right, play play Kawhi, right? If the What, what happens? If you're playing the Lakers on a back-to-back, does that mean you're not going to play? You have to send a message to teams like this because you can potentially meet them in the finals, in the conference finals, whatever, right? And you need to have that experience, the film on it, and just send a message that you're not backing down even though you're maybe not 100%. Mm-hmm. And that's how I think they can loan manage. Now when you're playing teams like Charlotte, Washington, all, all like the bad teams, even now Golden State, oh right? My gosh. Now you can be like, okay, I'm going to rest this game because I know we can win without, without me playing. And I think that's more of the strategy I think they should take. But like what you were saying, I agree. This, in, in this sense, it's being taken a little too far. They're, once again, like we're talking about, they're very lucky that the team is naturally cohesive. Right. Because otherwise, like, it'd be so difficult for a superstar player who requires that many touches and has that much usage to just naturally come back into a lineup and be, like, uh, easy to accommodate. Right. Um, So they're very lucky that the team is naturally cohesive. Um, Here's the thing. Like, let me ask you this, right? Mm Mm-hmm. If you had to put it in, like, a game, like, a number of games perspective, Mm -hmm. out of 82 games... 
how much do you think is too much load management? So give me like a number range. So like say like so, do you think like playing only playing 50 games per season is too much load management? Do you think playing 60 games like how, how do you feel about that from a numbers perspective? I don't I don't know about numbers. I would say probably if you're playing 50 to 60 games, that's pretty good. Yeah. Out of 80. Um if you're trying to do load management, but I don't look at it that because I mean, what if those 20 games you missed are against the top teams in the league? Then right. then then I don't think that you should, like, have an excuse. You know what I mean? Right, right. Right? You can't just pick, like, back-to-back. I, I don't think back-to-backs are the standard for it or, like, the way that they should approach it. But what about you? Do you have, like, a set number? I was kind of thinking about this because, um, I mean, more than anything, I was kind of thinking about someone like Zion Williams, too. I mm-hmm. know we were having this conversation. We were talking about, wow, it's crazy. This guy might never play more than 50, 60 games a season. Right. He's like, for the rest of his career, this, could, this dude could be load-managed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, in Kawhi's perspective, coming fresh off his injury or his, like, off-season, I don't know if he had a surgery or something, yeah. but and understanding, like, last season that he did have an injury that he's slowly still rehabbing from, right? I would give him the benefit of the doubt this season at, like, 50 games, but mm-hmm. if this continues, I mean, at, at which point do you as a league basically just as, you kind of have to look at this and you're just like, well, we can't keep making excuses for 20, 25, 30 games a season. I think it brings up a bigger conversation about shortening the NBA season as yeah. a whole, and I think that's something the NBA PA would like. Really great point. But at the same time, I know that guys, if you shorten the NBA PA season, or so the NBA season, guys wouldn't like that because they make less money. And the boomers come out. <laughs> <laughs> you mean the old heads? That's a, you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all the same, right? Yeah. The old um, heads are going to come out, and they're like, oh, yeah, we, we had to play this many games. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, like, they have a fair point. You know what I mean? It's like all they want to all they want to see is that players of the new of the new generation are being held to the same standards that they were held to. No, and I get it, but I mean, they definitely aren't. <laughs> yeah, but um, I, th- these guys are making like ten times the paycheck that the other guys were. The NBA yeah. is a different sport altogether now. Pacing is vastly different than it was. You don't see guys dribbling with one hand up the court and down the court. And that's another thing, right? I think some of the arguments are ma- made that. The pacing is so uh, so taxing, I guess, on NBA players' bodies right. because of how it's run. That maybe now you look at you know load managing because of that, right? And these old guys, older like teams, right, like Jordan's Bulls or whatever, didn't have the same type of pace because they're only scoring what eighty points or something. That's a pretty high scoring game for them. And to me, I really look at this as um, from a young player's perspective. Everyone has this impression that oh, he's young, he can play all these games. But I really think it's kind of the counterculture with the or the AAU right now uh-huh. and like the way that NBA players are being brought up. Right. Old days it wasn't I don't think it was like this as yeah. much. You got really developed through college and how you played. Recruiting yeah. was important. But every kid has a ball is life mixtape now, you know? I could make a ball is life mixtape <laughs> if I wanted. You know what I'm saying? Like every, like the, the standards that the that NBA, that's or basketball players are held to in high school levels these days. It is pretty ridiculous. I th- yeah, and I, it's so taxing. These guys, like the, the the high school players themselves, are playing incredibly long seasons, and they're traveling. Yeah, dude, that's actually a really smart point. Um, yeah, because some of these guys, right? I remember one of the uh, interviews, right? I was listening to Kobe. He was talking about Jordan was in at, at age thirteen. He was playing baseball. Right. right? And it's crazy to think that these guys are very diverse when they yeah, first and, start out. And as an example, age 13 right now for Bronny or Zaire Wade, they're on Sierra Canyon. ESPN is televising 15 of their games. Yeah, and ESPN's ranking these players. Exactly, right? right? And it's like that, that is such a good point, too, because of 
think about how different that was from when even Jordan was playing. Right. And, and also, right, if you're getting ranked, that means that everyone's competitive, right? These guys right. are basketball players, right? They're competitive. So that means you want to, like, be great. You want to be in the top ranks, right? But at the end of the day, you work so hard to be one of the top ranks, right? You That might take away from your actual understanding of the game, right? Absolutely. That might take away from the learning, the curiosity, just the, the raw passion that you have no, because and, you're trying the, to perform for someone else now. At some point, I, I really feel bad because it's like, do these kids have an off-season? Yeah. Because, like, you know, if you have an off-season, you use it to, like, do kid things, right? Or, like hang out with your friends or something, but no, I feel like they're just running, they're drills. running drills and training and it's such a taxing effect on their body, right? And they're, yeah. they're just developing still. And also mentally, dude, think about it from a mental health point of view, right? If these kids are being ranked, that means literally random people who are, I guess, judging their lives are saying that they're worse or better than someone else, right? Yeah. And think about what that does to these kids, right? Imagine like these guys being publicly televised and then they're 12 or 13 years old and you have a bunch of old guys or whatever going up to them going overrated. Yeah. Right? Like it's like they're 12 and 13 years old. Like they're they're kids and yeah. the treatment that they get is like basically professional athletes to some level. Yeah. And I'm not saying like, I guess we're not saying like don't work on your game or don't improve or don't have that passion to improve or play right. games, right? But I mean, you hear stories, AAU games are like five ga- five tournaments or whatever oh, exactly. in like a weekend and you play five games a day. Like it's crazy. Like these kids get no rest. And that also could be part of the reason that's contributing to weaker bodies when you get to where you need to go in the professional and, and league. I'm, I'm really curious what this effect is even like five years down the line once they get into the league. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, I, the immediate argument is that, okay, they'll be injured the first season they come in. And we've seen that through guys right. like, like Ben Simmons who didn't play the entire first season. Now, you know, Zion Williams, like a bunch of players. I mean, that list goes endlessly long. Yeah. Um, they all have these like pretty like devastating injuries initially through their or not even devastating but just like really like it's when your body's just taxed to a certain point right. and it just gives out right you see those kinds of injuries see kind of like ben simmons had his broken foot and stuff like that you see these injuries and i wonder five years down the line mm-hmm. you know you it, once you're in the nba you really don't also get an off season right even right. your off seasons are playing basketball doing drills and that's when you're supposed to shape. do that exactly and and that's you're supposed to get some rest there, right? To like re- recuperate. Right. But that window gets smaller and smaller with how competitive the league gets. Yeah. So you're coming into the league now with these injuries ahead of time. And then every single season you play, you may be compounding them. Minus yeah. minus seasons where like guys are just like flat out being shut down for the entire season so they right. can actually get back for their injuries. But not everyone's like, that doesn't happen to everyone. Yeah. Because end of the day, if you're not a top one person or like a top talent, top 10 rookie or top 10 talent, you don't get the benefit of that. <laughs> if, if you come into the NBA and you're injured for an extended period of time, I'm sorry, but look good, like good luck. Yeah. So. It's, it's sad. It's sad in that sense because you could be perfect, you know, like even take like DeMarcus Cousins, right? Guy oh, yeah. who is a pretty much like could you, you could argue a couple of years ago is he's the best, best, best big guy, best big guy in the league. And, you know, a couple injuries later, um, this guy is barely on a team, you know. And I'm curious like that. if there's any AAU impact because I know he played in the AAU circuit too. I'm sh- I'm sure, dude. And I think that's interesting. I, I think that could be an area of like medical research that you could also go into, you know. Like yeah. you could like l- track how these players are doing over from there. Time. But um, so I mean, I guess it's a really long way of saying there's a lot of load management happening in the league, but mm-hmm. it's understandable to an extent at it's, this point. Uh, it's understand. I guess the science yeah. proves it. Um, but it's frustrating as a fan. Yeah. But at the same time, um, when your team is competitive, you have to understand the bigger picture of it. Right. And like we 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 said before, right? There's always going to be a couple of those kids, right? Like, oh, dad, like you know, I I work a minimum wage job, 
get you know like collect all this money and save it to go watch my favorite player you yeah. go and, and you know your player doesn't play and like that's that's always like that's a devastating part of it you know what i mean yeah that maybe get that maybe gets overlooked in all this like not even yeah. from a player's perspective but like from that young fan who wants to be inspired exactly and, uh, so i really do think that that conversation of taking um <coughs> time off between games and reducing this the the season yeah that'll really start to take effect i mean I'd be hard pressed to see that we have another 82 game season five years down the line. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. At the, this rate, especially. The thing is that that's kind of sad for me because I mean, even for you probably because we yeah. love basketball. I mean, we just want to see. I don't, don't want to see another lockout season. Yeah, I don't want to see lockout. Honestly, dude, maybe they should do a week of preseason. What do they do right now? Two, I, I think two, it's three two, weeks. Um, cut down preseason, and I think the other thing is. If you want to shorten it, I I think you if you go any shorter than sixty games, then it's it's a tragedy. You can't go shorter than sixty yeah. for sure. You can't go shorter than sixty. But I mean, there's obviously those players or, or people who are, and fans who are like, let's just get to the playoffs. None of this matters. But you know, for real basketball fans, you want to see every every dribble. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I I think we've covered enough of that. Yeah, no, um, I think that's pretty One thorough. player who doesn't need load management. Hey, or hey, I guess... hey, get the fuck out of here. I got this. <laughs> we are talking about the greatest high school basketball player of all time. Okay. One-time champion, one-time champion with the NCAA. Doesn't count. Three-time gold medalist. <laughs> that's all he has. Carmelo Anthony. Okay. Well, what I meant, he didn't have load management because he was resting for a while now. <laughs> yeah, poor so... guy. So, um, yeah, man, Carmelo's back in the league. Are you excited? Of course I am. Do you see the smile on my face right now? Yeah, I, I do. I've been annoying you about this for the last few days, have I not? A little bit. I think, yeah. I love Carmelo. I so. um, my viv- my like Some of my vivid dream- dreams, memories, as a kid, we were playing NBA Live and uh, destroying my friends with Carmelo Anthony. Guy's the perfect basketball like body type and has the skill set, you know? Yeah, I mean... I just remember back then, especially in NBA Live, like he couldn't miss. If you used him right, he couldn't yeah. miss. So, I mean, personally, I've always like admired the guy from a distance, sort of. Yeah. Um, I've obviously, I guess as a part of the Banana Boat crew, I've always been more of a D-Wade, LeBron type of guy myself. Yeah, yeah we know. <laughs> but, um, no, I mean, I've always had a ton of respect for him and his scoring, and uh, I think he's like – as a post player, at least, like he definitely inspired me with the mid ranges and how nice his and consistent his uh his mid range jumper was. But um, with that said, I understand he has quite a few shortcomings as a player. Well, not only that, that was him a couple uh, some time ago now, right? Yeah, we 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 ain't gonna expect him. That's like saying like you know I'm fanboying over Derrick Rose here and I'm like oh he's got all this stuff still. You know he does he does to a certain extent, but at the end of the day, you know it's never gonna be on the same level. That's true. That's what it is. So let's kind of talk about – let me just give some background, and then I want you to give your thoughts on how you think Melo's fit, right? Right. So Melo got basically signed as of last week. Mm-hmm. Um, huge headline. I'm sure most of you guys have seen this. I mean, it is Carmelo Anthony still. Even when he's not in the league, he's one of the biggest names in basketball. Yeah. Um, he gets signed. He plays his first game on a Tuesday or Wednesday against the uh, – the Pelicans, was it? Yeah. I believe so. Against yeah, the yeah. New Orleans Pelicans, he puts up 15 points <coughs> on pretty bad shooting. 10. I think it was 10, right? Yeah, 3 of 10. Was it something like that? Yeah, he, I don't th- I don't even know. I think he had 10 points, maybe. So, right, you're right. Yeah, the second um, game, yeah. Yeah. Um, with, with pretty awful shooting overall. Yeah. Um, he plays again. He had like five personal fouls, too. 
<laughs> so <laughs> then he he's plays aggressive. again. He and then they gave him the start. Let's keep that in mind. Yeah. In that game. Then he plays again yesterday against the Milwaukee mm-hmm. Bucks. 18 points, seven rebounds. Not bad. Four assists, I believe. Three or four assists. Not bad. Pretty decent, like numbers from a scoring perspective, um, for a guy in that in that range. But yeah. Tell me, what do you think of like of of watching him? What do you think? Um, how do you think he's looking out there? So I think right now, right, obviously he's a little rusty. So I'm not gonna like judge him too hard. Be- yeah. Just because you know coming back, he has to get adjusted to the pace of the game and all that stuff. And I'm actually kind of surprised at how well he's adjusted to it. Yeah, very just, very true. Uh, just early on, right? So I'm proud of him for that. One thing though is uh, right now I feel like he has a lot of offensive opportunity just because C.J. McCollum is the only other player on that team right now. Yeah, really, that's like yeah. the biggest star who takes a lot of volume shots. And, and for reference, they're basically missing Dame with the back spasms. They're missing Yusuf Nurkic off of that surgery. Zach Collins is out the entire season, basically. So yes, right. Um, and you get, again, they're missing all these players. So yeah, C.J. McCollum is essentially their biggest, I guess, star, you could say, and, you know, eats up all the shots. So that's why I think that because C.J. McCollum, you know, he can't take every shot, but he's going to take 20, 30 shots a game. Right. So this Mello has a free open, you know, space to, like, take 10 to 20 as well. And I think that is, you know, enhancing his game right now. But what my biggest question will be is when Dame returns. Because when Dame returns, right, now you get, you know, Dame's the star on the team. So now you get all that shots there. McCollum gets shots. But now how does uh, Melo fit? Because I think from that perspective, right, it's more like the Rust, PG, and him that when they, when he was in Oklahoma City. Right. So then when you kind of revert him back to like a spot-up shooter, how is he going to fit through that? And I guess that is my biggest thing. And that's why like I, I take I take what he's doing right now with a grain of salt. That's, that, those are all very good points. Um, one thing that I know, the big reason why Carmelo wanted to sign here was because they had these talks ahead of time that Carmelo would not change his identity. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the downside of that is Carmelo will not change his defense either, or the lack thereof. Yeah. I think somehow Portland, it, it, like they expected that, but at the yeah. same time, I really was hoping that he'd come out of the gates with like some sort of Dwight Howard mentality. Where just like really scrapping, scrapping, want to play defense, yeah. want to hustle. Yeah. But he, the best defense he plays is he just waits on the block and tells guys to go guard the guy with the ball. Right. So he can wait for the rebound and yell, "Get the fuck out of here! It's mine!" Yeah. Snatch it, like snarl as he's snatching it. Yeah. And then throw it to a guard or bring it up himself. Yeah. That's about the extent of the defense we're gonna get. As much as people have expected, to me, it's still sad, mm-hmm. because you've been out of the league for almost a year, and you still haven't realized why. Yeah. So it's pathetic to me that um, in a way that he hasn't understood that. Offensively, um, I think it's – I'm glad that they're on the same page, the, him and the Blazers. I'm really glad that they're on the same page that they can – that they know that he wants to post up, yeah. wants to score out of the mid-range, and they're fine with that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad they've had this discussion ahead of time um, because then you can't, you can't have this miscommunication like he had with the, with the Rockets or with the, tri- with the Thunder where he was like – oh, I don't want to be a spot-up shooter. Oh, I don't want to come off the mm-hmm. bench. His role's been pretty clearly identified to him, so I'm glad that they have that. Yeah. They know what Carmelo is, and they're not they're not expecting something else. And th- and that's the key point. Like, I was... Uh, sorry, did you have something else to say No, there? go for it. Um, I was, I was uh, watching... He has, like, a YouTube channel, and I was watching... He released a two-and-a-half-minute video or something. Right. After, I don't know if you've got, you watched this. I did, yeah. But essentially, like, that's exactly what he was saying, right? He's like... The biggest thing is I don't want to have a miscommunication. Yeah. I just want my role to be like clearly communicated and that's about and we'll be good from there. 
And I think you hit the nail on the head in that sense because at the end of the day, you have to tell Carmelo what what you want from him. You know what I mean? And right. I think that is something that I guess they didn't like talk about or whatever uh, in his last couple teams. But and see, and if those are the expectations, I think I think Melo has met those expectations as a player, mm-hmm. and I think he's proven that he does deserve a spot not only for this season, but potentially into the future with the Blazers, Mm -hmm. if this is what they're asking him to do and this is what he can provide. Yeah. But with that said, do you think there's any other free agents that not just Portland, but maybe other guys in the league or other teams in the league should have gone after? Yeah, I mean, for me right now, the biggest question is Jamal Crawford. Oh my gosh, this is a tragedy, by the way. How is this guy not on a team? This dude is literally has probably every hoop mixtape. He's he's like the one of the most like traditional like traditional ballers. You know what I mean? Dropped fifty last season with the Suns. Dropped fifty last season, and like he's like a guy that I feel like you know you just go to Rucker Park and you just see this guy. Yeah, you know what I mean? Absolutely. There's very few like pure like basketball heads like that. Like I feel like Kyrie, KD, some of these guys, right? Um, but Jamal Crawford, man, how is this guy not on a team? I was looking at some of his numbers last year. He eight points, three point five assists. That doesn't even do him justice to like what he can be. I think he played no, around right. eighteen we, we minutes. We saw him with the Suns. He had a huge leadership role there. A huge leadership role. The guy's an incredible game manager, and essentially a walking sixth man of the year. So yeah. any team, and there's a bunch of teams. Like I can go off like on how many teams, <laughs> like Portland. So many teams in the league don't really have a bench right now, right? If, they if, have great starting fives. Imagine him with like the Sixers. Yeah, so with, I was actually just about to ask you, I don't want to put you on the spot, but if you had to pick one team that you'd like him to go to, would it be I, the Sixers? I don't know, dude. I, I mean, preferably I stay in Phoenix, bro. Like, Yeah, they're just like that, moving in different directions. I though. mean, that's just me being selfish. But, I mean, he can be on any of the championship contender teams. I feel like if he has like an open spot, like the Sixers are a great team. Portland's a good team for him to be on. Just to, you know, he really is like Lou Williams type of guy who can really lead your team like that. But um, any of those teams, man. But I just feel, I just feel bad for him. What about you, though? Any other free agents? Yeah, I have a couple. Um, the big one I think is Kenneth Fareed. Yeah. Um, great pick. So why is he not in the league, man? Especially because there's a lot of bigs that have been injured, i.e., at Portland once again. Yeah. Um, why don't you get this guy? Because <laughs> in 29 games with Houston last season, he averaged 13 points in around five rebounds i believe i think it was no sorry eight rebounds Mm -hmm. let me just yeah eight rebounds a game and that's pretty solid because he was only playing somewhere around 20 ish minutes a game anyway that's not Uh, just pretty solid that's really good 20 25 a game i think it wasn't it wasn't anything crazy but basically what i'm trying to say is yeah it was 24.4 minutes per game and 13 and 8 13 and 8 dude some people can't some some of these bigs can't do that in a game exactly and and here's what i don't like uh there's a reason why i don't like that he's not in the league he expanded his range last season to hit the three okay. with, with the Rockets. So we know he can do that. Yeah. He's a great pick-and-roll player. Incredible pick-and-roll Very player. athletic guy, as usual. And he's shown that he has glimpses of post-play. Yeah. I don't get how this guy isn't on a team, especially with the amount of teams that could use defensive rebounding help right now. Yeah. To me, like even the Suns with their, like, with their current lineup, the way that they're playing, Baines is constantly injured now because of the load he's put on put on him. Aiton's is is still suspended. Right. They're relying on Shake Dialu, Frank Kaminsky to be their centers. Mm-hmm. Why don't you get this guy? I yeah. mean, if you have the space for him, right? Or if you're Portland, the biggest like disparity between or not disparity, the biggest lacking you have on your lineup is the fact that you don't have a center. Yeah. Right. Like like your your centers are injured. You have Scalabissier basically exclusively playing the center position, mm-hmm. and Hassan Whiteside. Yeah. Who I don't know. I mean, whatever. I don't want to say anything about him. <laughs> 
why not get someone like this, a high-energy guy who I think does Dwight things in a way? Yeah, because he doesn't have a koi fish pond. That's why. <laughs> so so <laughs> write that down. Post- Any player without a koi fish pond equals great. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, you got me on that. Without. Hey, hey, hey. But no, but here's what I'm saying, right? Here's a guy who really, like, he's when he when he plays with motor that's what he's known for yeah. in denver when he got that big contract is was it was because he played with such a high motor they called him the manimal for a reason yeah so this guy was on the olympic team not exactly you know, one of the i don't i don't think it was olympic but he was on one of the fiba yeah. teams and stuff like that he's a very big powerful very athletic guy plays decent defense i know at times he can't really switch on to guards and he's not the greatest rim protector at all times but he does the job yeah and I feel like any team that needs, like, a Dwight type of big to come off the bench and give him good minutes, he's the perfect guy, you know? Agreed. Um, so that's one that I really don't understand why he's not with a team. I think that there's something about him potentially being signed with China right now, <coughs> which is maybe why people haven't um, gone after him. Yeah. I sh- definitely should double-check that. But if there's an opportunity, someone's got to bring him back. Yeah, for sure. Man. Great pick. Um, and then one other guy I wanted to talk about, kind of just throw this in there, was J.R. Smith. Yeah. Now listen. <laughs> Before you get, we know why he's not in the league. <laughs> I understand that he did a stupid thing. LeBron, LeBron's the league owner, right? Basically, basically. Right? So, basically. and did LeBron like him? No. No. Okay. So, what do you think happens, Kosh? But to be fair, it's been straight two to se- the dungeon. Exactly. It's been two seasons now. <laughs> yeah. It's been two seasons now. I feel like this is slightly in the past, and of some of the free agents, he's the only one with really good playoff experience. A decent defender, and no one can – you can never have, like, a a low amount of three-point shooters. Yeah. And the dude, say what you will, he cleaned his act up with Cleveland. Yeah. And like, and seeing that, that he can do that, I don't feel like he's a locker room cancer or anything either. Dude, not only that, I, I, we joke, but, like, I think it's unbelievable. Like, J.R. Smith could have been their third-best player in that series against the Warriors when they beat him coming back from 3-1 oh, down. Oh, yeah, definitely. And people don't get – like, they all talk about, you know, Kyrie's shot, LeBron's block – and their overall leadership, they had 40-point games back-to-backs and stuff like that. But J.R. Smith, he was critical, especially in that Game 7. Yeah. I think in the third quarter to open up, this guy was going ballistic to, like, open up. And not even that, just one example, but, like, the guy is a solid player. He's a great, actually, playoff player. And I don't, I don't, I don't find it fair that that one play is kind of, like, defining his career now, you know? And to me, it's like he's, such, he's a high-volume shooter. There's no question about it. Right. But when he's hot, he's hot. Yeah. And there's teams that could really use that defensively, J.R. Smith has never been a liability. Let mm-hmm. me first say that. Yeah. A lot of the times he was getting their number two, number three, op- or number two or number three guy yeah. and doing a decent job of it because he's an athletic guy. Yeah. I understand that there's a question about his IQ simply off of that play alone, mm-hmm. but at the same time, you know, really, like, does he not belong in the NBA? I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, you do think that he I think he belongs, belong. yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, Especially, I think Iman Shumpert just got signed to a team. And I, I think Iman Shumpert's a very good player, too. But J.R. Smith has definitely proven to be the better of the two for quite a while now. It's crazy because Iman Shumpert was his rookie. Exactly. So I'm, I'm just saying, like, why not give J.R. Smith a nod if you're looking for an athletic wing? Yeah, of course. All, all great points, man. But, but I think <clears throat> now we can move on to, you want to go over the, your team of the week? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, now that we've gotten covered a little bit of the NBA. Yeah. So, my team of the week. God. <laughs> my team of the well, week. Yeah, why don't you guys take a wild guess what his team of the week is? This is like Dora now. I'm just going to let you. I'm going to give you three seconds to guess. We know. Okay, so it's Miami, right? <laughs> let me tell you why. Yes. Miami is on a is 10-3 and three on the season. 
They are 8-2 and two in the last 10 games, and they've had some very impressive wins in that time over Houston and Phoenix. Mm-hmm. I agree that they've had a pretty easy schedule outside of that. Like, they play Cleveland and the Magic and stuff, and some teams like that. Yep. Um, which are, like, low-key decent teams, but at the same time, it's an easy, it's a, it's a team you can easily win over. Mm-hmm. But what I really like about them is they're really winning by some pretty impressive margins. Um, against all of these teams, I mean, they're they're either blowing them out or winning by ten, like okay. a lot of the times, and um, or close to that to that to that number. Um, <coughs> they are thirtieth in turnovers right now. Wow! And then they are first in field goal percentage and second in three point percentage. They're very efficient right now. Yeah. They are. I mean, you're not turning the ball over, and you're hit, you're cap- <coughs> capitalizing on a majority of your shots. Yeah. So, that really goes a long way. And I love the scoring aspect of this. They're getting really balanced scoring from Dragic, Butler, Robinson, Nunn. D- Robinson, I should Duncan Robinson. Yeah. Um, Kendrick Nunn and Tyler Hero at any given point. And you don't know which one of them is going to go off, but typically two or three of them do. Yeah. I mean, there was one night just a few nights ago where Duncan Robinson had 29. Uh, he And then Tyler Hero had 22 and Butler had 21. Yeah. And some nights you might see Butler going off for 25, Goran Dragic at 22. Yeah. I mean, the, the scoring, like, where it's coming from is really solid, and I feel like the team has a really good defensive identity. Um, they play, like, very well poised, and all of their guys, like, know their roles. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest thing. They lo- Tyler Harrow knows he's a scorer, yeah. but he still plays his defense, runs his role well. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, someone like uh, Kelly Olenek, for example, on that team, he knows what he is. Right. He's a stretch big who, who can space. He can occasionally get it out of the post, but most of the time he's there to play, like, a defensive role as well. And break people's shoulders. That too. He's really good at that. <laughs> really, like, like the efficiency at pulling people's shoulders. 50% more? Greater? Yeah, definitely. Okay. All right, yeah. Um, and then someone like Bam Adebayo, who's <laughs> been a, like sort of like a Swiss Army knife for that team. Yeah. Pulling down boards, blocking shots, can score in his own Super right. underrated. Dude, this dude, did you see his, like, moves in uh, the in the off season when he's like with Team yeah, USA yeah. crazy no, one of the best young talents Justice has been injured for a few games but they also have him and Justice at any given night can go off for 20 um, and also have a very good assist game mm-hmm. defensively minded like at any given point you have Jimmy Butler Justice Winslow and Bam Adebayo on the court yeah that's insane and then Kendrick Nunn is a good defender Duncan Robinson has been a very good he's been very good at shading people when they're running around on the court and same thing with Tyler Harrow so they're going to be a pest in the East, I think. Um, there's some teams that I think are better than them at the moment, but I feel like they're going to have a tough time beating this team. For sure, man. Great pick. I think one thing about the Heat that's really surprised me is I honestly, for some reason, thought, um, who is this guy? Jimmy Butler was taking his talents to South Beach to honestly like just die. Like his career just ended. Like, I honestly felt like he just liked the lifestyle and uh, you know just partying you know by the beach. It's nice. And I literally thought that's what he was. But like, the, you got to give him credit. Like this team is the second in the Eastern Conference. It fits his identity, though. He's a dog, like he's, an absolute he's dog. He's a dog, and like, like that, we say partying and all that, but with respect, like you know, like yeah. the work ethic this guy has is second to none. Yeah, because th- this dude was like, he got kicked out of his house at thirteen. Yeah. He was on the streets. This guy is an actual like dog. Like you know what I mean? Like yeah. there's very few like him in that sense, and he he has crazy workouts too. He's he's a chill guy, but when he works out, he really goes for it. Yeah. and I feel like it's fit the culture of Miami really well. Yeah, and you can see guys like Kendrick Nunn adopting that too. Did you see recently uh, Jimmy Butler was impressed with Kendrick Nunn's work right. ethic? No, and I find it really funny because I follow uh, Jimmy Butler on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, follow back, by the way. Um, <laughs> but uh, he constantly posts like pictures of Goran Dragic or Kendrick yeah. Nunn or Tyler Harrow or something like that to get his teammates going. And I'm like, 
imagine like meeting him for the first time, being his teammate, right. and he, a superstar in this league, is giving you that kind of credit. Yeah, and he was one of the guys, even just last year, right? Think about how short-term this, like our minds are sometimes, right? He's a guy that's been questioned for his leadership, right. questioned for his emotions, and all this kind of stuff. Like now, Kyrie's being questioned for, but like he was questioned for that stuff too. And look at how he's turning his around. No right. one even talks about that anymore. You know Absolutely. what I mean? And it's impressive from that sense. Other than the edible eaten. Bye. Yeah, but yeah, come on. Hey, we don't need to talk about that one. <laughs> right. Listen, listen. It was one edible, and in Dion's credit, credit. They, hold up a second. Okay. In Dion's credit, when the team asked him who gave him the edible, that man ain't no snitch. So he's better than <laughs> D'Angelo Russell for that, or what? Absolutely, snitches get stitches, <laughs> and D'Angelo Russell. Okay, fuck it. I can't even. Uh, yeah, it's, it's too much of a joke for me. <laughs> Dion Waiters, what the hell are you doing? Please don't be the locker room cancer. I'm trying to win a finals again. Yeah. Well, I guess he's uh, not that big of an issue. They're second in the East. But my team, um, actually, now Miami is third, right? They're third, yeah. That, because the, the, my the, team bumped them out. Your team? Boston, bro. I haven't talked about this team yet. Second in the Eastern Conference now. Uh, crazy stat. 5-0 and at home. They haven't lost at home. Mm. And they've played 14 games, which means most of their games have actually been on the road, which That's is true. even more impressive. And then you guys, I mean, we all know, right? Boston two years ago went to the conference finals, uh, were expected to do incredibly well with Kyrie and Gordon Hayward back last year, um, underperformed significantly, right? And then you have Gordon Hayward, you know, prayers up to him, man. I, I really hope he gets better because he's been playing some of the best basketball of his, of his career yeah. this year. Gets hurt, but this team still carries, man. Uh, Kemba Walker, I, got, I don't have enough words for this guy. You know, playing in Charlotte... Great. He was an all-star, okay? Think about the team that they had there. Yeah. Okay? Then he comes here, and the first time with, you know, real great coaching, with great players around him, this guy is incredible. And his numbers are only, what, 23 points a game, five assists, five rebounds. All right, they're good. They're decent. But really what sticks out to me is in the fourth quarter, you know, like I don't have the stats in front of me, but this guy goes off. When you need clutch baskets, when you need clutch buckets, this guy goes and gets it for you. Obviously, an exception, he got blocked by Kawhi to end that game against uh, the Clippers. But, you know, typically this guy is incredible. He plays in the system, too. Like, those 23 points he's getting are within the system. Right, right. Like, there's a lot of mounts to feed in Boston like they weren't in uh, Charlotte. Mm -hmm. But he's he's still getting his bread without, like you know, playing out of the offense. Yeah, and he's an undersized guard, too. Like, he, right. this guy's not a big guy. Um, other thing, Like, we were talking about Jason Tatum. Incredible. He's 21.7 rebounds on 39% from three this season. Wow. Pretty decent numbers there. But then even guys like, you know, we were talking about Marcus Smart, too, right? Really underrated player, great defender. Even that game against the Clippers, you see how he dived into the scorer's table to no, we save that ball? We were talking about that, yeah. Crazy, right? We talked about that. And Brad Wanamaker, even uh, like a random guy like that, you know? like coming off and uh, and performing well. So they have great balance scoring. And kind of like Miami defensively, they're very good too. Yeah. Um, and I don't think they played with Enos Cantor, and he's back. But yeah. they didn't use him against uh, – yeah, they didn't use him against uh, the Clippers. Yeah, I don't and, they, and they have options. But just overall, like the way the team executes, you can see Brad Stevens' identity being imprinted on that team again, um, you know, after Kyrie's departure. But – you know, really, I just really hope Gordon Hayward gets better because he's had a rough time after he left Utah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, prayers up to him and, uh, you know, congrats to the Celtics. Keep it up, I guess. You know, I think the biggest thing to me is I always thought they were going to get exploited because they didn't have a proper center. But mm-hmm. they've done a very good job of working around that. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, I guess we can move on to now players of the week. Now, 
quick preface here. This is our players of the week, right? And yeah. the thing and the purpose of this for us, I guess, and if you guys want to know is we want to kind of identify more under the radar type of talent right. coming up because all of these uh, big media outlets, they go over the big names anyway, right? But do you want to just quickly touch on Luka Doncic? I feel like this guy he deserves is the player of the week, obviously, just because he's been the best over like the last couple of weeks. Um, you want to touch on him? I'll, I'll say a few words. He's basically jumped up to third in MVP voting because this dude is basically getting 30, 40-point triple-doubles. He, he's um, averaging like a 30-point triple-double almost. Yeah, he, if One of the craziest like recent stat lines was in the first quarter of a game, he outscored the entire Golden State Warriors, out-assisted them, and out-rebounded an entire team in the first quarter. That's ridiculous. He had a triple-double in 26 minutes. I don't care what lineup you're playing with with the Warriors. That doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, in, in 26 minutes, he's had a triple-double, the, like the the, er, the fastest triple-double in ever. league history. That's crazy, man. Um, And he's a, also a, like a three-layer scorer. Like mid-range, he has it. Three-point, he has it. Takes it to the rim, you got it. Floater. Floater game, like really, he multi-dimensional scorer, and defensively, he doesn't look like a liability anymore. One one thing I really like about him is how composed he is for how young he is. Right, right. You can tell this how many years of playing, you know, overseas has prepared him, you know, playing professionally because he's so comfortable in the clutch moments. And uh, you know, for me, I feel bad just like you know looking back because I severely thought he was underrated or overrated, you know, coming in, and I was like, oh, like he he played in Europe, but um. Um, but yeah, I just think that he did a great job, uh, or he's doing a great job right now with everything. But with that being said, let's go over, let's go over, uh, the players of the week for you. So I'm going to give a quick shout out to Terrence Davis and Chris Boucher, um, from the Toronto Raptors, man. That team, um, they're currently missing Kyle Lowry and Serge Ibaka. Mm -hmm. And somehow Nick Nurse is finding ways to get guys to, to really like thrive. Pascal Siakam and Fred VanVleet, nothing. I have nothing more to say. They're exceptional right now. Mm -hmm. But Terrence Davis and Chris Boucher in the last several games, these guys are only playing like 20 minutes a piece a night, but they're getting close to 15 and like 10 a game. Chris Boucher literally reminds me of a baby Siakam. Yeah, literally. I'm, I'm like, I don't understand how Dwayne Casey is finding these guys and nurturing them and how Nick Nurse Wait, is... Wait, you mean uh, Dwayne Casey left? Oh. Masai Ujiri? Oh. Are you talking about? Oh. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Yes. How Masai Ujiri yeah. is finding all of these young talents yeah. and nurturing them and how Nick Nurse is taking that on. Yeah. Um, yeah, dude. Incredible. He, he gets so much out of his players. It's like a Popovich sort of ordeal. Uh, yeah. And honestly, it's crazy. Man. I would have never guessed that Terrence Davis and Chris Boucher would have been someone I would have talked about on this podcast. Yeah. Yet, yet here I am telling you how these guys are filling in so easily. And Steven didn't force you to do this? No, no, he didn't. I, I'm doing this on my own. This is proof yet again that I'm not a Toronto hater, Steve-O, but at the same time, you suck. <laughs> anyway, um, I have to say, man, I, I really did not ex like, expect to – like, once Ibaka was injured, I didn't think they'd have a credible sixth man coming off, like, in the way that they do. But instead, Nurk Nurse is like, ha, I'm going to prove this guy wrong, and gives me two guys coming off the, off the bench in yeah. six-man roles that are doing exceptionally well. So – they're going to still obviously be a pest and a force to reckon with in the in the East. And, and I'd like to dude, see them. defensively also, they're holding like guys like Lillard, Lillard and Kawhi to like under fifteen points. Ridiculous stuff that's yeah, going on. Yeah. It's it's very impressive. Ridiculous, yeah. Um and then so those two guys I just wanted to give some credit to you, but mm -hmm. my pick itself is actually gonna go to Cameron Johnson, otherwise known as Cam Johnson for the Phoenix Suns. Here's his last uh his last few games. Fourteen points, eighteen points, eight points, fifteen points, eleven, and fifteen. Great. 
Really good numbers in 20 minutes. Amazing. He's really, like, developing into the spot-up three-point shooter that Phoenix thought he could be. And he's really proving people that thought he was, who the hell is this guy? He's really proving those people wrong. Like Prem. Yeah. Um, Basically, the guy, he knows where he has to be on offense, and he has a shooter's mentality. Yeah. He just pulls it. And he's not dumb about it, though. Yeah. Like, he'll pump fake and take a two. He'll step it. He'll pass to the side. Yesterday was a really errant pass um, that, that got to him out of bounds. Quickly reeled it in and threw it like around his head basically to Kelly Oubre Jr. Whips it around a super cool. He's a very smart player and it shows after playing with uh, UNC for four years. Mm-hmm. He's very mature, very, uh, you know, really solid guy. More than that, defensively, he has so much potential. Yeah. The dude is six foot eight, six foot nine, and extremely long. And I remember Brandon Ingram was basically torching us from in the fourth quarter right. uh, in this most recent game. And whenever we put Cam Johnson on him or Mikhail Bridges, I felt like we had a fighting chance. Yeah. Because when he's fading out, these two guys are so long and defensively, like, capable that they're, like, contesting these shots super well. Yeah. Cam Johnson is a guy who I hope, if he is developed the right way defensively, could be a guy who could go guard the other elite small forwards in the West, such as the the, the Clippers uh, the Clippers guys with uh, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Yeah. So that's my pick uh, for player of the week. What do you think? Crazy man, UNC rookies shooting shooting the lights out in the league. Definitely, Kobe White as well. But my pick is Scalabissier. Uh very low key. Uh, he's been in the league for some time now. I believe 2016 is when he got drafted. But right now he's averaging six points and five rebounds in only 16 minutes. It kind of seems subpar, but I think there's a lot more to him. First of all, his footwork is incredible. I don't know if you you've watched him, but this guy can really play. Mm-hmm. Actually, has good post moves. Can occasionally hit the three, shooting about 33 percent. A little low, but still, he can hit it when you, like, don't, like, respect him, I guess, from that spot. In the most recent game yesterday against the Bucks, he had 22, 12, and 5 blocks, which, amazing, right? Amazing stat line. But what's crazy is when I was doing some research on him, I found the story, right? This guy's born in Haiti, and he served the 2010 earthquake, okay? Oh, my God. And and the way it happened. Yeah, he survived it. Oh, my gosh. His house collapsed on him. And um, it was crazy because his mother and brother were in the house with him collapsed and the, they w- were stuck there for like three hours their dad comes and they, he thought he was gonna die in, in there and he was like kind of like his basketball like dreams were like fading out and it was crazy because the his leg became so numb that he couldn't walk for like months oh my gosh and and he he was saying that ever since that you know that shaped him and and kind of inspired him and motivated him to be like hey like life can change at any second i gotta i gotta go for it I thought that was super inspirational. I didn't even know about that. Kind of reminds me of uh, Kelly Oubre with the uh, he survived Hurricane Katrina. Mm, yeah, really sad stories there, man. Crazy. It's sad because I mean Scalabissier has really proven to be a good player right now, and the, <laughs> the Suns traded him a few yeah. seasons ago. Him and Bogdanovich for Marquise Chris. Great players. Um, all actually, all three of them great players too. But yeah, yeah these guys are good, and he's one of my most underrated players, I guess, in the league right now. But um, with that, with that, I think we should move on quickly and yeah. end off, right? Yeah. With, uh, we should end off with disappointment. I, uh, I guess we'll do that this time. That's that's how our lives work. <laughs> end off with the most disappointing teams in the league, right? I'm just gonna go first, really quick. Go I think it. I already talked about. We already talked about Portland. They're five and eleven, two and eight in their last ten, and their wins are against San Antonio and Atlanta. Not great teams, but. Um, <laughs> Not great teams at all, but I guess they got those wins. And like you were mentioning, right, Dame miss, is missing with back spasms. 
Nurkic is saying that he's not going to return in 2019. I don't know if that means like the season or that means just the year. Right. Um, maybe ne- ne- next year he returns. Um, Zach Collins soldier, shoulder surgery. But one one stat I found that was interesting was that they're 29th in assists. Oh my gosh. Which is horrible because and it, it makes sense, right? Despite having two elite guards. Despite having two elite guards, right? 29th in assists. And Melo, is he going to add to that? I, I don't think hey, so. Hey, fuck out of here, man. <laughs> I don't think so, but uh, we'll see how they do. Obviously, they're missing some talent, um, but hopefully they get better. I can't. I don't even really have other any more things to say about this team. But well, what about, the, about you? There's only one team I feel like that is worse, or at least one of the teams that is worse. Yeah. It's a team that Portland beat. San Antonio. <laughs> so, for, for reference, San Antonio is 1-9 and nine in the last 10 games. This is the worst start Popovich has had in 23 seasons yeah. with the San Antonio Spurs. Ridiculous, right? Here's the thing that's like been really, <coughs> really interesting to me. You would think that a team that is doing this poorly can't score. Mm-hmm. They put up 114 points per game. They're seventh in scoring, wow. so that's not their issue. Wow. You know what probably is their issue? Defense. Defense has been very, very bad for the San Antonio Spurs. I was just looking at this. Basically, San Antonio has four of the 30 worst defenders in the NBA. How are they ranking that? So it, I think it's based on it's the TPA defensive points saved. It's a bunch of metrics, basically. Yeah, okay. But their ranks, this ranking basically says that Forbes or Bryn Forbes is the worst player in the NBA defensively. Patty Mills is 14, 14th worst. Marco is 18th worst. And DeMar is 30th worst. DeMar, wow. I would not have expected yeah, DeMar I wouldn't. being that. And most of the time, those guys are starting. Yeah. For this team. The rotation works out to be these guys get hefty, hefty minutes. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I feel like the only good defenders on this team, I mean, I thought DeMar was, but he's not. He's like Deontay Murray mm-hmm. and maybe Rudy Gay occasionally when he wants to be. Yeah. So that's been a huge problem for them. They can't play defense. Um, and honestly, LaMarcus Aldridge and DeRozan, let's talk a little bit about the, their dynamic. DeMar DeRozan is putting up decent numbers offensively. Granted, okay. now that I know his defense kind of sucks, right? <coughs> DeMarcus yeah. Aldridge literally looks like a shell of his, own, of his old self. Really? This guy is basically putting up like 13, 15 a game, and no one else is really taking shots on that team. Yeah. He looks like a shell of his old self. Like He, he used to be the pace setter for that team, right? Mm-hmm. You score with LaMarcus down low, and that opens up everything else. Yeah. He kind of looks like a shell of his own self, and that that is really like – to be fair, he hasn't been horrible, but it's just not LaMarcus Aldridge numbers. Yeah. And what you'd expect out of him. Um, so, I don't know. I feel like this team needs a lot of lineup adjustments. Um, I don't really – They. I've always said this. Like, they have Derek White. They have uh, Bryn Forbes, Patty Mills, and Deontay Murray. Mm-hmm. They have four good guards, but I don't know how this rotation works when a, most of your team is made up of guards. Yeah. You know, your other guys are like Marco Bellinelli or like – you know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like a lot of their guys are, right. are shooters, but they're not very good defensively. Right. And I don't know where you get that identity late in this season it's, at this point. Like, what do you add? What do you change? At this point, I think they're they're primed for a tank, dude. And I would never, ever, ever suspect that two teams in the league, the Heat and the Spurs, would ever even think about tanking. Wow. But it looks like this might finally be a big change in the NBA where San Antonio might decide to tank. Did you see also that stat with Greg Popovich, like, worst losing streak in 23 seasons that's or something I, like that's that? That's the first thing I was saying, right? It was it was basically that. And that's ridiculous. I mean, this is one of the best coaches of all time. Yeah. Like, like imagine that. Imagine imagine being that bad of a – and I, I can't blame him. What is he working with here? Yeah. No. It's great. I think defensively, though – I don't even know what to say, man. Like they don't even look like bad, like that bad of a defensive team. 
on paper it shouldn't be but i i don't I, you know what i think it is it's just the mix of players that you have out there so personally yeah. I feel like that's been the biggest problem for them. I really want them to turn around because I never want Popovich to do bad because I respect the hell out of him. But at yeah. the same time, this is a season where the Suns have been surprisingly good and the Spurs have been surprisingly bad. It's been a real tide shift in the NBA. Yeah, and um, it's great. They were my eighth seed. Maybe, maybe if they turn things around heavily. I don't, all I know is my Kings are turning it around. Maybe your Kings are. They better not take a spot from our Suns, though. Oh, they. Yeah, I hope yeah, not. Our Suns over your pick, dude. Dude, our son's over everything right now. All, all day. But, um, they, dude, they got to get back on track. I feel like we always drift back. to. We talked about Devin Booker when we didn't <laughs> even need to, but um, I think that's give it. Give us for, Ricky, give us Aaron Baines, we'll win the West. For sure. That's <laughs> a, that's another thing. Our players are injured, so what are, you, what are we going to do, right? Exactly. Um, but I think that's it. It was a good podcast. Um, always nice recording with you, bud. You um, too, man. I, I like that we like to tell ourselves you're doing well. <laughs> I mean, because we else? don't get any fan yeah, feedback. We don't get feedback. That's the thing, man. Like when you play a game, right, and you hit a shot, yeah. like you hear the fan, like the, the crowd reaction, right? Yeah. And it's like, okay, like, yeah, you did a good job. Like pat yourself on the back, right? Like <laughs> what do we got? No, yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, another another pretty interesting week. Hopefully it gets more interesting because this is one of the drier ones in the league. But yeah, hopefully we made it interesting for you guys. And uh, I think with that, as always, we out. <laughs>